Come on, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's so good to see everybody here tonight. So good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We want to also take this time to welcome all our friends on the INS network. God bless you. Bless you to those who are watching via the internet. God bless you. Every friend on Facebook, we want to thank God for you. But more importantly, I thank God for every one of us who is in this house tonight, ready to receive from the presence of God. Are you ready to receive from the presence of God tonight? Amen, amen, amen. We're going to share tonight from the Word of God. I'm going to ask everybody, if you're not already standing, stand to your feet with us. And we're going to come tonight from the book of Job, Job chapter 26. Hallelujah. From verse number five, going through all the end, through all the way to the end. That's verse number 14. And the Bible says, The dead tremble, and those under the waters and those inhabiting them, Sheol is naked before him, and destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space, he hangs the earth on nothing. <laughs> He binds up the water in his thick clouds, and yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers his face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power, and by his understanding, he breaks up this storm. By his spirit, he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. And how small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power. Who can understand? <laughs> As we get ready to lead off in prayer, I'm going to invite you if you want to come to this altar. But we're going to pray tonight. I believe that somebody came here to receive tonight. Hallelujah. Is that you? Come on. We're going to pray tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. And we honor you for what you do tonight. The glory of your presence is already here. We can sense your glory. We sense your power. And we're wonderfully blessed, God, to be conduits of your glory and of your anointing tonight. We thank you for what you do tonight. We thank you for the lives that are being changed. We thank you for the release of glory in this room. We thank you that your power 
thank you for the leaders. We thank you for those who you've called out to bring and to carry this anointing. And as you use them tonight, let flesh step aside and may the glory of God, may the anointing of God, may the power of Almighty God flow freely tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say yes. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah.
stories. The Bible says, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and giving him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He has given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Joe, let's sing that about that name. How powerful. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is.
I just sense in the spirit tonight that when we get ready to come to this altar, when Master Robbie preaches in a moment and we enter those baptismal waters, my Lord, I see it. As your foot, first foot hits the water, it's as if as you go deeper in the water, that what you brought into the water with you will be gasping for air. And the deeper you go, the lower you go, the lower you go. That water, that fire water where Jesus is, is going to be gasping for air. And, and listen, let me, tell you, let me tell you what I just saw. I just saw it. I saw the Lord put its hand, his hand on it, trying to come back up for air. And he pushed it under. I saw him just push it under. You see, he doesn't mind about things that are foul and dirty if they drown. He had no concern for the feral pigs, the hogs. He had no concern for them. When that devil came out, 6,000 devils plus, five to 6,000 devils came out of the demoniac. They entered into a, a herd, 2,000 pigs. And they ran into some water and drowned. Jesus was unconcerned because pigs are unclean. Let me tell you what's going to happen tonight. I sense it by the Spirit. I just saw it. The deeper you go, the unclean things in your life are going to be gasping for life. And there will be a struggle tonight. I'm telling you, there will be a struggle tonight because the Lord's going to speak to you about getting in that water and you're going to think, well, I didn't come prepared. I don't have enough clothes. We've got you covered. We do. We've got 200 um, scrubs. We've got 250 pair of underwear. We got you covered. We got bras. We got underwear. We got scrubs. We got everything. But I'm going to tell you, it, it's going to be like it was in, in, in the first few months of the revival where people would just sit in here and weep and say, can I get in that water? And you're going you're gonna to get into the water, but it's going to be a struggle out here. And the reason is this. Everything in your world that can go wrong in the next hour and a half to two hours will go wrong. You'll get a phone call. Somebody will tell you that your, your, your cat's acting up at home. Floodlights are blinking. The alarm will go off. Because the enemy's trying to get your attention off this altar and off that water because he doesn't want to drown tonight. During our fast, Karen, you'll remember it when we fasted. I'm sitting right there a few moments ago, and the Lord is telling me to tell our entire revival team to prepare for another fast. Now, this won't be just for the, the North Georgia Revival pastors and their, and their spouses, but we're going to have to coordinate. I just heard it that corporate and all the North Georgia host revival pastors and churches are needing to go to another level in prayer and intercession and fasting for the move of God. Look at this crowd tonight. It's extraordinary. There's extraordinary needs. But Karen, in that first fast, the Lord showed us fire on the water. There's fire in those waters. It's not the water. 
He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit fire. Now catch it. He's going to hit you with fire while he's holding down the unclean things. Father, we declare that tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for showing me that. Now, Karen, somebody needs to write that down. Abby, if y'all write that down for me, what I saw. It's a significant moment. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Greet about 10 to 15 people around you. Introduce yourself to someone you may not know tonight. Love on one another for the next few moments. Thank you so much. Georgia Revival. Week number 85. Week number 85. We welcome those uh, that are watching by the ISN network and those that are watching via Facebook, internet, YouTube. Welcome to Christ Fellowship Church, the North Georgia Revival. We're thrilled at what God's doing in this move of the Spirit. Wow. What an incredible evening. Uh, just returned from Kentucky, then New Mexico last week, preaching, baptizing people out in the desert, baptizing people in the Appalachians. It's been just a remarkable week. And then the week prior to that, we were in Washington, D.C., baptizing people in the shadow of the Capitol, in the shadow of the Washington Monument. People getting healed, filled, and changed by the glory of the Lord. This is a nameless and faceless move of God. It is nameless and faceless. He's the one that's meeting us in the water. And you will not be disappointed tonight. You will not be disappointed. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to receive an offering tonight. I want you to prepare for the offering. Please help us host uh, the world, the community. Help us host and, and making um, the house of the Lord as presentable and as beautiful as possible. It's right around $3,500 a week to be able to do the revival with all the expenses. For those of you that don't know, we just had to buy a brand new pump to our baptistry. I don't know how many hundreds of dollars that was, close probably to $700, $800. Things like that pop up all the time just because of wear and tear. It's just what happens in revival. And when you use things um, frequently like we are, our power bill is ex extensive, you know, seven to eight thousand dollars a month. It was around four thousand to forty-five hundred. 
it has gone up uh, almost double. So I'm just letting you know that to let our friends know, please partner with us tonight and um, in helping us. Uh, some of you may want to underwrite uh, a service and write a check for $3,500 or $4,000. Your church may want to do that, your business. We appreciate that so much. And from time to time, people do that. That allows us to stay ahead in case there is an emergency or something along these lines that we can tackle it uh, without any problem. So you can text to give. There's a number on the screen behind me. You can text to give. It is a secure way to give. Please uh, take advantage of that. Also, in the lobby, you're going to find uh, Miss Joanne uh, Holbrook's paintings. Isn't this a beautiful painting tonight? Yeah. Joanne, won't you come real quickly, and I want you to tell us what the Lord gave you here. Andy, if you'll come and, and hold that up so all of our people can see it, just bring it this way. Come on, Joanne, if you would, just come. Praise the Lord. And Andy, just bring that over here for me. Yeah. So, Joanne, why this particular painting tonight? I wish I knew. <laughs> The night that I painted uh, His Blood Covers Everything, I wanted, and I felt like I was supposed to paint the greater glory. But then when Pastor Karen was preaching on the blood, that particular Sunday, everything shifted for me. I had a vision of the blood pouring down. So I had to go home and get red paint. And But in my spirit, I still felt that one. Oh, that one. <laughs> and I knew the Lord would bring it back again. And I don't know why it's tonight. Sometimes I question myself because, it's, as you know, is a new calling on my life. And a lot of it I still don't understand. But he's so good. And, 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 and I will say that of the paintings that I paint, I do know when I feel him all over me, and he was all over me tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, there's so much detail in this, in this, in this painting. Uh, it's going to be in, on display uh, out in the lobby tonight or up here on the platform, but don't come up on the platform. You can uh, take it, but there's... This is the glory. Let me, let me tell you, I had no idea what you were painting. And I read this scripture, Joe, while you were worshiping and leading us. I turned, felt led to turn to 2 Chronicles 7. Look at my arm. I'm, right, I'm, I'm kneeling down at the altar and I read this scripture. I just turned there. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. It's the scripture I read this morning. Let's begin to pray. Come on, begin to pray everywhere across the room.
Come on, Spirit of God people. Come on now. Begin to pray in your prayer language. Begin to lift up your voices to the Lord. He says a little bit later in that scripture, in my eyes I be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. Come on, begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray. Come on, deeper, deeper, deeper. cry out church may the glory of the Lord Father, we love you and bless you. God, you are here. This is magnificent, your presence. Oh, how we love you and bless you. And everybody in the house said amen and amen, amen. Um, you can't have this one, but there will be copies of those next week uh, for you. And uh, go see Joanne and Andy outside tonight out in the lobby area. Um, and look at her other paintings that are under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We thank God for her. Let's let her know you appreciate. Wow. Just remain standing. I want to I want to encourage you. Don't forget next Sunday night, prayer at 5 o'clock. It'll be week number 86. Week number 86. Camilla, my, my brother, listen. Thank you for bringing the word that you did, just reading the scripture tonight. I felt the anointing all over that. God bless you, bro. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Um, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, may, may we give tonight for your glory. I'm supposed to announce something that I am missing and I if I think about it we'll announce it next week but uh, let me remind you also to run to the tables outside and grab the resource pastor Robbie do you have any of your sermon tapes out there okay if he did I want you to go get those incredible man of God pick up he sat down and he sent him two books uh, recently wrote and um out at the table. We appreciate it. Who is here from out of the country tonight? While we're taking up the offering, let me ask, who's here from out of the country tonight? Praise God. Our wonderful pastor and his wife are from 
Austria. Come on, give it, give a hand clap for those that are here from Austria. Yes, over here. India. Love India. I've been there multiple times. Are you, do you live near Hyderabad? Or where do you live? North, south in India? North or south India? Where do you live? South India. Wow. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Over here? Okay. Both of you are from Canada? California and Canada. Well, California is like another country. God bless you. You may be the only conservative out there in the whole world. When he lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, dunk you a hundred times in the water. You just, you, just, you just get baptized, go, and then the next person, then you come right after that. Did someone else from Canada? All right, from Canada, Canada and California. Anybody else from um, out of the country? Where's my pastor friend from the Philippines? Right there, all the way from the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah, in the very back. Australia. Woo! Yeah, Rudy and Sandy, y'all need to hook up with the, with the lady from Australia because there's another pastor and his wife that were here a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and so there's already a move of God happening in Australia. Who's here from out of state? Raise your hand if you're from out of state. Wow, thank you, thank you so much. Are you ready for the word tonight? I know that I am. I know that, are y'all from out of the country or from out of state? Out of state, where are y'all from? You're from Texas, praise God. Yes, don't mess with Texas. You ready for the word? I know I am ready for the word from the man of God tonight. Uh, Pastor Jill, I want you to come up first, if you'll come. And, um, you know, it is not very often that you get to see a, a woman of God that is as active and supportive and uh, as anointed as her husband is. And I just want you to greet the people and I want you to introduce your husband to bring the word tonight. Would you, would you do that? I, I'd love to, but he, he's a great man, but nobody knows him like you. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Todd. Cannot tell you how honored, how honored I am just to stand on this platform for just a moment. How honored I am to worship our Father with other believers. How good it is to know Him. We are the most blessed people in the world to know a true and a living God, are we not? Let's live like it, right? Let's go out and let people know that we are the blessed of the Lord. I feel like the most blessed woman in the world. Honestly, I do. And so it is a privilege to introduce my husband to you tonight. What you see is what you get with Pastor Robbie. <laughs> He's the same at home as he is here. I, I kid you not. A man of integrity. I don't know anybody who loves Jesus any more than he does. He walks the walk and he talks the talk. And he leads me. He makes me want to be better. He leads our household and he makes us want to be better. So will you stand to your feet tonight and honor my husband, 
the love of my life, my very best friend, and the only person in this world that I would ever want to be married to, Pastor Robbie Mathis. Would you remain standing with me just for a moment? Pastor Todd, you don't need to be doing that anymore. You get me crying before I get up here. <laughs> when I was growing up, we used to sing one of those old hymns that we all know called Amazing Grace. We'd always, at the very end, when we sang all four verses, we would always sing the words, praise God, with the rhythm of amazing grace. I want to tell you what happened this afternoon as I was at the house. I was laying on the couch. I, I was resting. I drifted off to sleep for just a little bit. And as I was waking up and, and coming out of the sleep, I heard in my spirit this singing of praise God to the words of amazing grace. It was so loud in my spirit that I thought they were singing it on the television, that I had to look up and make sure they were not singing it on television, and it wasn't. It was a football game. They weren't, they weren't singing that. <laughs> but I just feel in my spirit that as we have been honoring the Lord tonight, That that is the reason that, that he is here. And so I just feel like before I share this word with you tonight, for let's just honor God and just ring out what I heard in my spirit with that praise God to the tune of amazing grace. Can we do that? Here we go. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, 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 praise God. Let's give him a big praise tonight and bless him. Holy, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give him praise like we love him, like we adore him, like we worship him and praise him tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be, you may be seated tonight. You know, I think before the night's over, we're going to be amazed at how God is going to tie all of the things that have been happening in this place together tonight with the painting, with the singing, and we're going to understand why what God is saying and speaking to us tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 9. We're going to 
be skipping over a few different places, but I want to start with this one right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 9. We're going to begin with verse 13. The Bible says the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold, besides what the traveling merchants and traders brought. And all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. 300 shekels of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne. And there were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrest. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. I wanted to share with you just a few passages, a few verses about the extravagant glory of Solomon's temple. Solomon had created a habitation and a dwelling place for God to dwell in. It was a replica of, of the tabernacle that God had instituted for his presence to be able to dwell in. It was in David's heart to provide a, a permanent dwelling place, a, a place for God to dwell where that he could, his people could come and meet with him. David was a man of much bloodshed, so God told David that he wouldn't be able to build it. But I want you to know that God always has a plan. There are some things that God institutes and, and creates in, in, in our lifetime that we may not ever get to see the fulfillment of it to come to pass, but God uses us for, for his glory, for his honor. There's a process of things. But Solomon, his son, built this beautiful temple, and we see all the extravagance of it here. The Bible said that when Solomon died, there was a, an, an event that occurred after that Solomon had died. Now, we understand that, that Solomon had created a place. Pastor Todd shared it with us with Second Chronicles chapter 7, that when he created this this temple and he prayed the prayer of dedication that the fire came down from heaven and the glory settled on the people so much that the 
Bible said that the priests could not even stand to minister because the glory was so strong. And the Bible said that the people fell down before the Lord and they began to worship and cry out to the Lord. Solomon left a legacy to be passed on down. Solomon left a play. Not only did he have a beautiful, extravagant place for people to, to come and worship the Lord, but, but it was right because he wanted and desired the very presence of God to be there. The Bible said that when Solomon died, that his son Rehoboam was the successor of the throne, stepped in. And so here he was to be the next king of Israel here. And the Bible said that at that time that when he, when he took over, that there was a, another man by the name of Jeroboam who came to Rehoboam and he began to inquire of him about something. You see, when Solomon was still alive, he saw this young charismatic leader named Jeroboam and he knew that he had some leadership skills. So he placed Jeroboam over a, 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 the leadership of over a project. And the Bible said that a man of God came to Jeroboam and he began to prophesy some things to him. He began to tell Jeroboam that the time was going to come, that God was going to strip the kingdom out of his hand and said that he was going to be the king over ten of the tribes and Solomon got wind of this and heard about what God had spoken and it probably created some intimidation in Solomon and so he wanted to kill Jeroboam. He was thinking that maybe that God was going to take it from Solomon at that time and so Jeroboam left and went and hid in Egypt until Solomon died. When he found out that Solomon had died, he came to Rehoboam and he began to speak to Rehoboam and he said, he said, said, your, your, your father made it hard on us with taxes, and he was a, a hard man, and it was hard for us to live under. He said, I'm asking you if, if you would make it easy for us and not be as hard on us as your father was. Rehoboam sought out counsel. He asked some wise men, the elders, that what he should do. And the elders gave him some advice and said, Rehoboam, then you don't need to do what Solomon did, but, but, but lighten the load on them so that they'll be able to be supportive of you and everybody can come together. Rehoboam also asked some younger men that had grown up with him. They said, you don't need to do that, but you need uh, to make it harder on them. I want you to know tonight that there is something about getting some wise counsel from some people that are seasoned, from some people that know the ways of God and that can really speak and pour into your life in the ways of things. Rehoboam didn't respond to what the elders said, but he responded to what those young men did. He said, we're going to make it hard on you, and so we're not going to do that. So at this time, from this moment forward, it created a separation of of all the tribes of Israel. And so there was a separation of them. There were only two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of, of Benjamin uh, that, re that really took to, to Rehoboam and the other ten tribes requested that Jeroboam would be their king. 
that he would be, that be their king. And so there was a separation and there was a split. Rehoboam said, I'm going to take the men that I've got and we're going to go up and we're going to attack Jeroboam. We're going to attack all the kings of Israel. And this is what God said. He sent a word to them and he said, don't you take those men up and fight against your brothers. Don't go up and fight against them. This thing is from the Lord. And so he did not allow there to be a battle to take place. I want you to know that it is God's purpose and his will. It is his desire for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity, for there to be a coming together, to be supportive of one another. He doesn't want there to be a division like that took place at, at this time. But it was all a result of their idolatry and their turning away from God. When they began to turn away from God and walk in the ways that things that they wanted to do, that's when God allowed these, these tragedies to take place for them to go into captivity with other nations and for calamities to occur. And so here you've got Jeroboam who is the king and the leader over the ten tribes which they call Israel. And you had Rehoboam who's the king over the southern tribes which was Judah and Benjamin and they typically call them Judah. So when it would say Judah, that's the southern tribe of Israel. Now what I want to do tonight, just for a few moments, is I want to tell you about the, the errors of these two kings, the errors of, and the sin of Jeroboam as well as the errors of Rehoboam. Solomon had left a, a, a legacy, something for them to live by, but neither one of them followed the, what had been left for them, but they went in their own way, selfish men, doing things they wanted to do. And so that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. And, and, and let us see that. So, so this is what I want you to do. If you have your Bible, flip over with me to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. And I want, you to, I want you to see this. 1 Kings 12, we're going to start with verse 25. The Bible said, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and he dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord. Rehoboam, king of Judah, they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Now, Rehoboam was there in Jerusalem. Remember, he's the king of Judah. Benjamin was also uh, looking to Rehoboam to be their king. And so here Jeroboam is in a different place. He sets up and builds Shechem. He's established his kingdom there with all the ten of the other, other tribes that are there. So there's a separation between the two. Jeroboam gets in his mind. If the people go down to Jerusalem and worship where God has instituted them to go, then they might all start following Rehoboam and they might rise up against me and kill me and so I won't be the king anymore. In other words, insecurity begins to take place in Jeroboam's heart and life. And I want to tell you tonight that any time that there is 
is insecurity in your life, most of the time it will lead to some type of manipulation. And so Jeroboam realizes that in order to control the situation, he better do something so the people don't travel to Jerusalem where God had instituted and wanted them to go and worship. He said, I better do something to stop them from going to where God, where, where God's intent was. I better do something to stop them. So let's look at what, what Jeroboam did. Verses 28 through 30. Therefore the king asked advice, make two calves of gold. And he said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And do you see what Jeroboam did? He set up two places of worship so that the people wouldn't have to go down to Jerusalem and to worship the true and living God. But not only did he, did, did he, did he just set up uh, places in the run, he, he established them and, and made them out of, out of gold. He made them, they, they were idols that, that he, he set up. So instead of trusting the Lord to establish his reign, Jeroboam became fearful that he was going to lose the people and he resorted to methods of manipulation. This thing that he did was exactly what Aaron did back in the book of Exodus chapter 32. Do you remember when Aaron established the golden calf when Moses was up on the mountain? The people was wondering where he was. So they established the golden calf to worship and it became an idol. This is what Jeroboam did. Obviously, he didn't learn from the mistakes of his forefathers. And so here he's doing the very same thing. They're taking the purest metal that was to be used for God's dwelling and for God's glory, and they're using it to create an image and an idol that they wanted. It was spiritual adultery, and it was spiritual idolatry. I want to tell you tonight that you cannot take the things which belong to God and use it for your own pleasure and expect the blessings of God to be released over your life. And so he established two places of worship. He even made it so convenient. One of them was on a highway as if they would go down to, to, to Jerusalem. So instead of going there, he made it so convenient that it was a stop, that they could just stop there, even though that it was false, even though that it was not genuine, even though that it was not pure worship. He said, well, as long as we can just establish and set up something here so the people can check it off, that they're doing worship. I want to tell you tonight that the enemy will make everything in your life, make it even convenient for you as long as you don't get to the place where pure worship occurs. He'll create some establishments and places, and, and it'll all look like it's the real thing. It'll, it'll appear like it's, it's the glory. It'll appear like it's true worship. But I want to tell you that, uh, that, that, that 
everything that, that glitters and shines is not gold. But he created and established this place so that it would appear that they are, but, but, but really the, the, the enemy will do everything he can to try to keep us away from what God really intended. Now look at verse 31. He made shrines on the high places, and he made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. God had an established order of those who would stand in the office of the Levites. It was from the tribe, the Levites, and it was from Aaron's descendants. Anybody that was operating out of that what was not intended for them to be that. Jeroboam said, it's okay. They don't have to be from the tribe of Levi. I'm going to establish the ones I want, and I will place them in. Jeroboam was defiling the very commandments of God and expecting God's blessings to be upon him. He says, I'm just going to get whoever. I want to tell you tonight that you can't choose people outside of the grace or the calling of God and expect them to function in an office that they have not been called to. You can't take somebody that's got a kingly anointing upon them and expect them to operate in the priestly anointing. They've got to operate in the gift and the grace and the calling that God has upon their life. But when we do as what we want to do because we think that it appears that it'll be good and everybody will be glad about it, that's when we err and that's when God removes his hand off of it. Let me tell you one example of what happens in many churches. This happens in many, many churches. God has blessed some people to step in a kingly anointing. They are blessed in the business world, and they, have, they are successful business people. They are financially blessed, and they are well. And when a pastor understands that, oftentimes in churches, they may not even have the spiritual qualifications. But in order to keep the finances coming, they'll take those people, and they will place them on the board or in some type of leadership operating outside of the grace and gifting and calling that they got, but it's because they want that, not what God had ordained. Is anybody listening to me tonight? We must do it God's way. We must do it God's prescribed way. Verses 32 and 33, Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month like the feast like the feast that was in Judah. And he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priest of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar, which he had made at Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel, and he offered sacrifices on the altar, and he burned incense. One of the other things that Jeroboam did was he substituted for the original feast that God had designed. 
Notice it said Jeroboam established a feast on the eighth day or the 15th day of the eighth month. This was a counterfeit to the Feast of Tabernacles that God himself had established. You see the three fall feasts that God instituted that he said would be celebrated forever. He said on the first day of the seventh month was the day of the Feast of Trumpets. On the seventh month, on the tenth day, would be the Day of Atonement. And on the seventh month, on the fifteenth day, would begin a seven-day celebration, which was called the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jer that was the feast God said. Jeroboam is counterfeiting this and said, My people need a feast. So instead of celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles that God had said, I'm going to counterfeit it. And on the eighth month, fifteenth day, I'm going to establish a feast. I want to tell you that we cannot counterfeit the very things that God intended for us to be able to, to move into and to do. He'll always, the enemy will always, always try to counterfeit what God has instituted. Let me tell you what we've done. Let's just go back to the first three feast that God instituted. The first feast was the feast of Passover. There was the second feast, which the feast of unleavened bread, and the third feast was the feast of first fruits. This is a typifying and a celebration that Jesus came to fulfill. It was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover. He was buried on the day of unleavened bread, and he rose from the dead on the feast of first fruits. But I want to tell you what the adversary of our soul has done. Anything that he can do to get our mind off of what Jesus really wants to do. That's why that we have to continue in this place. All hail King Jesus, that all eyes are on Jesus. We can't get our eyes focused off of Jesus, but the enemy has come, and during the feast of Passover and unleavened bread and first fruits, when we should be celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the enemy has come, twisted it, and makes it where we call it Easter, and we celebrate rabbits and eggs. I want to tell you it's a counterfeit. It has nothing to do with what God originated. And I want to tell you, we're here tonight to declare of the truth of the living God, what God has established. That's what we're going to stand on. It is his truth. It's his way. It's his word. We cannot counterfeit. Is anybody listening to me tonight? And that's Jeroboam, a counterfeit king. But here's what Rehoboam did. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 12. Look at verses 1 and 2. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And remember Jeroboam was the king of the ten tribes, which was called Israel. Rehoboam was the 
king of Judah and Benjamin, they looked to him. This is his downfall and sin. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Why is it that when people become successful in life, they forget about the very one that caused it to occur? You know what breaks my heart so much? I've seen it so many times in the house of God that when people are going through all kinds of trouble and problems in their life and they're desperate for God to touch them, desperate for God to move in their family situation, they'll, they'll not miss a church service. They'll not miss a prayer meeting. They're, they're at everything getting prayer and praying and needing God to, to do a miracle in their life. And, and God, uh, through that season, God's touching their heart and moving upon them. And, and I've seen God answer prayer and, and do absolute miracles in their life and, and in their family situation. And after that, it's shortly after that, they just somehow forget that God has done such an incredible thing in their life and you can't find them anymore. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. May we never forget. I said, may we never forget who has given us what we have. May we never forget why we have what we have. Verse 2, that after Rehoboam forsook the Lord, the Bible said in the second verse, and it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shashak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed the Lord. They forsook God, and God allowed the enemy to come and steal things away from them. Are you listening to me? He, the enemy came and stole some things that Solomon left to pass on down. They took it out of the temple. They, they took those things, took those shields, those gold shields that Solomon had created, that he had made, Egypt took them. Shashak took them away, stole them away. Now look with me in 2 Chronicles, the same chapter. Let's skip down with me to the ninth and 10th verse. The Bible says, So Shashak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. What would you do if things were stolen from you? What, what would you do if they're stolen from you? Look what Rehoboam did, being king here. Look, look in the next verse. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. You know what Rehoboam did? Instead of pursuing, instead of obtaining what got taken from him, he replaced it 
those gold shields with bronze shields. He replaced it with cheap imitation. He compromised in the house of God. And he did not pursue the very best that had been left to him. He didn't pursue it, but he compromised by giving in to the bronze shields. He settled for cheap imitation. Last week when we were in Washington, D.C., as we were visiting the Capitol, we were right in the center of the, the Capitol, and you look up in the dome, they call it the the big dome, and there it was. We're standing up looking, but there was something that was there on the floor. Our tour guide said, this is called the golden circle. It's called the golden circle. It was there in the, in the floor. It's the centralized place here. I mean, many of the presidents and some police officers that had died, they would place their bodies there, and they would lie in state right here. He that was, it was a special place. People gather in that place right there. And it was interesting that our tour guide said this. He said spiritually, he said this is like the Holy of Holies. That's what it's like. The Holy of Holies and the tabernacle that... God gave Moses instruction for and the temple that that God instituted and gave for Solomon for him to dwell in all was furnished with specific equipment and it was all designated with certain colors and specific items that it would be at. Now, I want you to notice that right in the very inside, what we would call the, the uh, inner court, in the holy of holies, in the most holy place, there was the Ark of the Covenant, which was gold. There was the table of showbread, which was gold. There was the lampstand that, that was gold. And there was the altar of incense that was gold. The things that were inside within was gold. And then on the outside, what was considered the outer court was, was the altar of burnt offering, which was bronze, and the laver, which was bronze. And so when you're taking a look at the pieces of furniture, you'll notice that things on the outside or the outer court was bronze, but the things that were on the inside was gold. And there's a purpose for that. Because gold means to shimmer. Gold means to shine. It represents divinity. It represents power. And it represents wealth. But bronze speaks of judgment of sin. It represents human nature. Now the question that I want to ask you tonight is, do you want to settle for a cheap imitation and go for the bronze? Or are you here tonight to go for the gold? We're not going to settle for the bronze in the move of God. But we're going for the gold.
because I'm not just going to stay on the outside, on the outer court. You see, the outer court represents the flesh. That's us standing on the outside. But the closer that you move uh, to the very presence of where God was, it represents the spirit. And I've just determined in my life, Pastor Marty, that I'm not going to settle for the outer court. I'm going on the inward court. I'm, I'm going for the gold. Pastor Steve, I'm going for the gold. I'm going to the inner court. There's no longer, no longer a cheap imitation, but we're going for the gold. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold tonight. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold. You know what that gold is? We're going for that greater glory. That's what it is, the gold. We're not settling for cheap imitation, but we're going for the greater glory tonight. We're going for the greater glory. We're going for the gold because the gold is where the spiritual part, the spiritual aspect is. We're going for the gold tonight. Anybody ready to go for the gold? We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold. We're not going to compromise anymore. Amen. We're not going to compromise. It's time tonight that we lay down everything that has kept us back from being all that God wants us to be, and we're going for the gold. I'm not taking that bronze shield, but I'm taking the gold shield. I'm going for the gold. The gold is where I want to go. The gold is what we want. The gold is the highest honor when the Olympics occur. And they have the bronze winner. They have the silver winner. But when that one that has won the prize and has done the best, they step up on that top highest mark and they give them the gold medal. The gold medal. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold tonight. Amen. We're, we are going for the gold tonight. We're not staying in the outer court, but we're going to the inner court. We're going to the spiritual things. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold tonight. Joshua said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going for the gold. We're going for the gold tonight. Pastors, go for the gold. Get them in the Holy of Holies. Don't you settle for cheap imitation. Don't you settle for letting them hang out in the outer court. You get them in the Holy of Holies. Husbands, don't compromise. Go for the gold. Fathers, don't compromise. Go for the gold. Grandfathers, don't compromise. Go for the gold. Brothers, don't compromise. Go for the gold. Sons, don't compromise. Go for the gold. Wives, go for the gold. Don't put him behind. 
children and the chores and the errands. But you pray for your man. You esteem him. You honor him. You allow God to raise him up and make him the man of God that he's supposed to be. Don't settle for mediocre marriage. God says he'll restore everything that the enemy has stolen for you. Wives, go for the gold.
place. Everybody's talking and telling dirty jokes and looking at unclean things. Don't you settle for that bronze. You say, excuse me, I, I can't be a part of this. And, and you go for the gold. It's the best, the best that God has got for you. Let's give him praise tonight. was a pen up on the thing and it was a silver pen 
that they would use and that silver pen and it's where it would be held in would be used to shine in law. Let the Spirit of God through the redemption power of the Holy Spirit and through His blood bring silver, the cleansing to your life and you'll go from bronze and you'll leave a gold tonight when you allow it to take place in your life. Are you ready? It's what I want us to do. I want all of our prayer team, if you're a prayer partner, a prayer team member, would you come and stand right here? Just right here, just come up to the front. All of our prayer team members, if you'll come and stand right here. If you need prayer tonight about anything in your life, you're going to come up and you're going to get prayer with them and they're going to pray for you tonight, okay? If you're wanting to get baptized, if you're ready to... To, to not compromise and you're you're ready say I'm going for the gold tonight we're stepping into that then I want you to make your way down right here we're going to come up they're going to go over here you're going to get a letter they're going to give you a letter okay they're going to give you a letter you can go back to your seat when you get that and then they're going to put up on the screen your letter so if you're a C you watch them go from A, B when it gets to C. If, if that's your letter, C, then you come up here and they'll lead you and show you uh, where to go. You'll go back there and get changed. So praise God. We're going for the gold tonight. Amen. We're going for the gold. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. incredible word. Let him know the value of what he deposited in us tonight. Come on, all across the building. We want you to make your way. We'll have two pools tonight. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. Keep coming. Keep coming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come well, on, you've come a long way. Exchange. Exchange. Go for the gold tonight. Come. Husbands and wives, come. Families, come. Children, come. He'll meet you in the water. How beautiful it's going to be tonight for all those things to be placed in the water, never to rise again. Come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're not in a hurry. We've got all night. It'll be worth the wait. It'll be worth the wait. I promise you it'll be worth the wait. 
will be worth the wait. Thank you, Jesus. Your letter will come up on the screen here in a few moments. If you're letter A, you'll know when to come when the letter's up on the center screen. If you're letter D, you'll know when to come up. And the letter F, you'll know when to come up. is your moment. This is what you've been waiting on. This is why you drove. This is why you flew down. Yeah. yeah. Keep coming. Keep coming. Praise his name. Come on, keep coming. I promise you. It'll be worth it. Come on, exchange, exchange, exchange tonight. Uh-huh. He's good. here. 